Hello, Arsport community. I'm Kit Harvey. It's great to be with you for another installment of Our Conversations. This time, I sit down with Marcus Crook, co-founder of Melbourne streetwear label Homie. The brand has rapidly become part of the fabric of the Melbourne fashion landscape, their flagship store occupying the iconic corner of Johnson and Brunswick Streets in Fitzroy. But their striking designs are only part of the Homie picture. At its core is the organisation's work empowering young people and combating homelessness. Cue the entrance music and let's go. Marcus Crook, co-founder of Melbourne streetwear label Homie, thanks so much for joining us in the Our Conversation studio. We're wrapped to have you here. How was your day? You come in and off a good one? or? Yeah, it's been pretty good. We're pretty busy at the moment. We've had a really busy start to the year with a few big campaigns and Youth Homelessness Matters Day, so... Now we're just in a bit of a planning phase for the back half of the year. So yeah, it's good to be here on the podcast and looking forward to the convo. Yeah, me too. Me too. I feel like 2015 blink and all that time's gone. You've almost been around for for 10 years. Like you're, you're kind of becoming a real staple in that, particularly in that Fitzroy neck of the woods where your flagship store is. But just in Melbourne in general, I feel like you are popping up everywhere in just all the best ways. Well, glad to hear it. Yeah, for us, it's been actually eight years and we're actually releasing a collection this week with all of our favorites over the past eight years. So looking back on some of our favorite garments and re-releasing those to the public and sort of reminiscing with the staff around, you know, some of the funny moments we've had over the years. So yeah, it's gone quick, but also it's gone really slow at the same time. Like I I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, that feeling of seeing someone wearing, you know, a garment on the street will always be the same. You know, I always get like shocked and excited and, you know, I'm too scared to go up and talk to them or say thanks or anything so i don't think that feeling will ever go away it's always yeah a a real buzz to see someone wearing your stuff it's got to be a really good sign that after eight years you've actually got an opportunity and there are enough designs under the belt that have made an impact for you to basically release a greatest hits album (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah well it sort of was like you know we're talking about it amongst our staff and we're like well why don't we just bring some of them back and you know hopefully we've got some fans out there that like those garments as well and want to purchase them. We've put a bit of a spin on them so they mightn't be the same colors or the same, you know, stitching. So they are slightly different to the original ones, but yeah, it should be good. Speaking from my own perspective, I've definitely got a, it's only a semi-recent one just from last summer gone, but I own two of your heavy cotton shorts and t-shirt sets, one in watermelon, one in charcoal and they did not leave my body for an entire summer <laughs> seriously comfortable yeah Love yeah well they've they've actually been really popular and with like a heavy fabric and uh super accessible and, and wearable in sort of any sort of occasion so with that boxy fit so yeah they've been pretty popular one you definitely had me at boxy fit the the thing that really got me my buddy julian walked in wearing the charcoal one and i hadn't seen them before this and I'm a little bit of a magpie, so shiny things really excite me. And I saw the high-vis tag on both the shorts and the T-shirt, and it was just instantly, like, money just evaporated from my bank account, and I, I had the item. Like, it was just, I had to have it. Really cool. That's, a, that's just my own little personal fave. It's probably too too young to be a greatest hit, but I'm sure there'll be a, 
maybe a 10 year greatest hits album released and <laughs> that's something i can look forward to or re-release yeah no they're, they're actually a bit of a staple now so they'll be part of our like core items and we're, we'll be bringing back more colors and yeah changing the labels up and different colors and stuff so yeah there'll be plenty more of those for you that's very good to know that as part of the ongoing <laughs> stuff great hey take me back a little bit to i guess when homie first started in in 2015 you, you kind of were a pop-up at melbourne central how did yep. things really start for for homie and is it something that you always saw yourself doing yeah so it started even a bit before that i was working in the city at the time at general pants funnily enough and nick was doing media and communications at rmit and we we're sort of seeing the number of people on the streets continuing to rise and just sat down in lunch breaks and and after work a few times just to have conversations with people and get down to their level and really understand what was happening you know in their life that sort of led them to this sort of position and we found that a lot of the time it didn't match up with the stigma associated with homelessness, that they're violent, they're drug addicts or alcoholics. And we became really passionate about that. We really wanted to break down that stigma and shed a bit of light on the situation. And so we started a blog that, you know, sort of told people's stories in their own words. And that sort of gained a lot of traction and, you know, I was reaching a lot of people and, and people were saying, well, how can we help? How can we donate clothing, donate blankets, donate food? So we set up Australia's first ever pop-up street store in Fed Square back in 2014, just in December, right near Christmas time. And the amount of clothing that came down was just unbelievable. The community really got behind it and we had services bring through people experiencing homelessness and we told a lot of people that we'd met on the streets to come through and shop for free. It was really a great day for the community to all come together and, and band together. And from that, we thought, you know, there was a real need for it on both sides, you know. So there's people that wanted to support people and there's also people that needed the support. So we were just facilitating that sort of coming together. And then through that, we we got a bit of media and Melbourne Central reached out to us and, yeah, said that we could do, you know, a pop-up in, in one of their locations. And, yeah, we sort of jumped at it without having any real idea of what we were going to do. We wanted to emulate that experience in Fed Square, but have it in a more closed private environment. And yeah, so we sort of took up that lease without any fittings and fixtures for a shop or without any clothing. And yeah, we sort of just pulled on all our networks and resources and, and put a bit of a shop together. Was that space used as kind of a studio and a design space as well as a, a retail space that pop up no so originally we were taking donations from brands like stussy and, and cotton on mm -hmm. and various other streetwear brands that i had connections with we got the fittings and fixtures from target because nick was babysitting someone high up at target's children so we were able to pull together a shop from all of our connections and it was yeah one for one model so you bought an item of clothing and we donated one we put one on a rack behind the counter and at the end of the four weeks we got all the big issue vendors to come in and we put all those items that were donated back out onto all the racks and the, all the big issue vendors shop for free so that was how it worked back then and we kept getting extended at melbourne central we got shuffled around three or four different locations in that year and we ran those vip days once a month and from that, we had youth services come through and, and young people say, you know, this is awesome. I need some volunteer experience. I, I need 
you know, I need a job. And we were still learning retail at the time, you know, we, we were volunteering our time and, you know, we needed people to come in and help us out. So we had a few young people come through and, and work with us in the store and get to a point where I, where I would pay them to be part of that. And we saw the confidence and self-esteem really, really begin to to rise. And when we thought, shit, this is where we can have, you know, that long lasting impact. So we still do those VIP days once a month. We're at our 98th one since we started eight years ago. And, and those days are really special. And they, they're a real introduction into the, the rest of the program, which is the eight month internship that young people go through. You've rapidly become part of the, the fabric of Brunswick Street and definitely something I think of when I think I'm going to Brunswick Street, oh, we could go to Homie. What was it like opening that flagship store on that iconic Johnson and Brunswick Junction? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like special building, you know, the big arch windows and, you know, we really felt like getting out into the community was where we needed to be. You know, we shuffled around Melbourne Central four or five times and just couldn't get our roots in the ground and really saw that space for lease and being three, you know, you know, cavalier, like young dudes at the time and with no sort of business experience. We probably dived into that lease, which no normal human with any sort of business experience would have done that. I think we had enough money in the bank to cover the deposit and that was about it, you know, so, and we signed a five-year lease and so it was a bit of a risk, obviously worked out and and paid off because we sort of knew that getting out into the community was where we needed to be and and everyone's been so supportive. I guess we had sort of no fear and we were just driven by passion and stuff. But yeah, I'm not sure that many people would have sort of taken up that lease in the position we're in at the time. I guess the ethos, the clothing may have sort of changed a little bit over the years with now the introduction of your your own lines, your own designs. But I guess the ethos was kind of there from day one and was actually kind of there before Homie as a clothing label existed. What was that transition like from operating off donations and you know various, with I guess less control over what product you kind of had to, to sell to I guess monetizing the whole situation in a way to I guess maximize the impact that you can have on, on yeah. people's lives and put in your own products. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really organic process. We did a bit of crowdfunding for the opening of the store and we had our logo of our Facebook page on some t-shirts as a reward. And when we opened, we had some more of those t-shirts in this store as, as well as all the other samples. And a lot of people were coming in and hearing about what we did and really were drawn to those t-shirts and because they wanted to support what we were doing, wanted to get behind us. So that's how this brand sort of originated and, and grew is that it was really organic process in the fact that we wanted to be able to, you know, provide more of an offering for people when they came through. We wanted to get artists involved we wanted to you know build this community and really tap into that younger demographic so people can wear their values and and wear clothing with pride knowing that they're helping out the community talk me through the i guess the ins and outs of starting up something like that it was a challenge and at the start there was three of us who sort of kicked off homie as such so it was nick myself and robbie who had set up charities in the past and sort of without everyone having their own individual unique skills that came to the table I was sort of 
brand, creative, social media, all that sort of stuff. Nick was sort of partnerships, financial stuff. And then Robbie was like charity, business, like that sort of stuff. So it was only the three of us combined. That was the only real reason it worked. Like if it was just one of us or even two of us, I don't think it would have got to the point it has. And then once we started, we brought in, you know, really good people along the way that have like Alan, who's been with us since we opened the doors and she's the head of impact at Homie and just does such an amazing job with the young people. I love that it was kind of a combination of everyone's superpowers and like, I guess, practicing what you kind of preach, like working together to achieve an outcome and bringing what you can to the table. I want to talk a little bit about like your, I guess, previous experience with charities and you kind of, obviously, it sounds a little bit like you're almost on a, on a path to start something along these lines. Did you always want it to be something in the kind of fashion clothing world or did you not necessarily have a, a specific goal or picture of what your, your career would look like, I guess? Uh, yeah. So I'd done a bit of volunteer work both here and overseas as well. I met Alan, who's the head of our impact in, in Brazil. We were doing community work in the favelas in Rio, playing soccer and volleyball and good. with some young kids at a school. So yeah, it was an amazing experience, pretty eye-opening and some couple of hairy experiences in the favelas over there. But it sort of opens you up to, you know, that we shouldn't be taking anything for granted over here. And, and, you know, there's a lot more people out there that are worse off than us. And it's sort of, yeah, really drove us to, you know, sort of create something in our own backyard to help and support the community. In terms of the, the internships that you guys do offer, can you talk me through that a little bit further and in terms of the opportunities that it does give particularly young people? Yeah, so we run an eight-month paid internship for young people experiencing homelessness or hardship, and we have partnered services like launch housing that young people most of the time have supported the accommodation there, and then we provide the job opportunity for that young person for an eight-month period. So come through, though, Mondays in our warehouse doing a certificate three in business, which they're also paid for. That's a four-hour session, and then the other 12 hours is on the shop floor, whether it's in Homey Store or our partnered retailers in Champion and Nike as well. So, yeah, that that goes for the full eight month and then transition into other workplaces. Most of the time, they're kept on at those retailers because, you know, they've been trained up for eight months and a lot of times they're absolutely killing it. We have young people that have been in the program for four months currently and some of them have already been told that they've been kept on and have got keys to the store and, you know, opening and closing and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, we know what we're doing works and yeah, now it's just a matter of sort of working out a way to like scale that up and get more young people through and get more retailers on board. And so, yeah, it's, we're sort of in the process of seeing how that looks. I feel like scaling up is absolutely like one of those key challenges that strikes a lot of particularly young organizations obviously going through periods of growth would you say that sort of the evolution of the business has kind of almost just followed where the success of the programs have have taken it and i guess scaling up as the next challenge is probably a good problem to have but is it something that you see is definitely being achievable yeah it's it's really tricky because it is a really expensive program and you know we want to do it 
right? That's the reason why it's worked. It's been so intensive and real wraparound support. So we wouldn't uh, want to deviate away from that. So yeah, it'd be a slow process. And yeah, I guess that's why we're having such good results is because it's like that long-term impact. Where to next is always kind Mm. of, it sounds almost like your where to's are really governed by, I I guess, just expansions of of what you've been doing right yeah. and the fact that people are knocking down the door to really get involved with not only the internships but just kind of wanting to support the the I don't even really want to call it a cause but to support your ethos and, yeah. and what you're setting out to do uh, yeah. I guess is it kind of making room for everyone that really wants to be part of it yeah and the programs have really been designed and reshaped by the young people every year so we have someone that does data and monitoring and evaluations. So we track the interns throughout the whole journey of um, their time with us and then six and 12 months after. So we're getting all that data, getting all the feedback. And every year the program has changed slightly to accommodate the young people that are going through. So it's really been driven by the young people and, and their successes. So we know what we're doing is right through that data and that feedback. And so that's why we won't compromise by, you know, trying to get 50 young people through at once because we don't want to compromise that quality moving forward. So that's why it sort of has to be a slow and steady race. But yeah, we're looking at other ways that we might be able to, you know, create more impact. We also do a empathetic employer training. So, you know, we train all the managers from all the other stores for them to be able to work with the young people. We're looking at doing that with other corporates and and other workplaces so they can you know hire young people in this situation and feel confident and comfortable to do so so yeah there's other avenues like that that we're sort of looking at as well so you guys are almost kind of setting yourself up as an example of what can be actually achieved and and hopefully inspiring other groups of people and other organizations to kind of introduce some level of at least partly what you guys do as part of what they do yeah, I mean, like we're, you know, we're just a couple of mates that had had an idea and, and with no business experience, like I don't have a degree in anything. And, you know, we've shown that it's possible and we've shown that, you know, with the right support and care and, you know, understanding and passion for a project and it can, it can be achieved and it can be possible and we've got the data and the young people there to, to back it up and show that, businesses can do this if they really want to do you yeah. get i mean feel free to say as much as you can about this but do, do you get organizations and businesses contacting you fairly frequently looking for ways that they can kind of replicate or or introduce something like what you guys do yeah more so now i think a lot of brands are, are looking to attach themselves to some corporate social responsibility mm. which is great mm. you know at least now that that is sort of happening. I think it's driven by the consumer demand. You know, people are looking for brands that care about the planet, people, society. So I think it's driven a little bit by consumers, which is awesome. So yeah, it's about navigating that. And yeah, we really value like long-term partnerships. So, you know, not just doing something one-off, like we really partner with Haynes and Champion for the past three years and we have an ongoing relationship with them and really value that long-term 
deep engagement. They're heavily involved in the programs, but they've given us a lot of support in the business as well. So like help with suppliers, we catch up with them, you know, regularly about pain points in the business and, and they offer to volunteer their staff and on occasion. So, you know, that sort of partnership where it's really authentic, you know, is sort of what we're looking for in when we go into partnerships and collaborations. Anthony and I were talking earlier and we, we specifically mentioned the collaboration with Champion because we, we both love Champion. Do you ever pinch yourself and think, oh, wow, I can't believe Champion and Nike are involved with this? Yeah, it's absolutely wild to think, you know, they're the one of the oldest brands in the world. 1919 was when they came into existence. They actually invented the hoodie, which I only found out a couple of months ago. Seriously good bit of trivia. (laughs) So it's awesome that, you know, the support we've received from them has been just amazing. And, you know, it helps us get more young people through the program. They offer eight positions in their stores every year, which is just incredible. And young people go in and absolutely love working at these stores. You know, it's not like they're, going into a store that that they don't want to be at. So I think that's a big part of the success as well as having these brands come on board that young people, they want to work in these places. I guess having bigger brands and or kind of any brand come on board and be a part of it and stay involved, I guess that does build momentum and inertia for, for, for I guess, what Homie's doing and, and hopefully encouraging others to, to get on, on board as well, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. And, you know, like... Another one that have been really supportive is Disney as well. Yeah, it is a bit of a pinch yourself moment to have these brands sort of knocking on the door, like wanting to help out and just be involved. It's it's really awesome. And, and hopefully we can get more people on board to offer more positions and put a dent in this homelessness issue because the biggest population of homelessness are young people between 16 and 30 and retail is the biggest employer of young people so we find that we've got a real opportunity to make a bit of a dent in this by offering positions so it's just about trying to get more and more retailers on board with what we're doing and hopefully we can sort of break that cycle how did things go during the covid lockdowns and and retail restrictions in terms of not only the programs but in terms of the i guess the need for for addressing homelessness. Yeah, it was really challenging for everyone involved. And we've really seen the effects of that, you know, post COVID as well with the the two years following with the young people, you know, not as many applications and, and just people not being ready for the program mm. following that. But at the time we had eight people graduate through 2020, which was awesome. They were able to do their certificates online. We also were able to have young people in the warehouse packing online orders. So instead of being in retail stores, which would have been better, you know, getting the customer facing interaction, we sort of pivoted to them being in the warehouse and picking and packing orders and still being with all of our staff. So I feel like instead of just shutting it down, like, which we thought we might have to do at some points there, we sort of were still able to get eight young people through that, that eight month program, which was pretty awesome. And yeah. And with our VIP days, we, we pivoted to doing VIP packs that we just packed in the warehouse and sent out to services. And and I know that there was a lot of young people that during that hard and tough period for everyone that were pretty excited about getting some fresh threads rock up at their doorstep. So it was great. 
I can only imagine. Mm. I, nothing like getting a, a parcel or something you really need, I guess. Mm. Uh, I want to knuckle down a little bit on the design process and how you guys actually come up with your, the designs that you go on to sell and stock and, and work with others on. What is the, the process of design? Like, How does a new item of homey clothing or apparel come about? Yeah, so we, we do a lot of workshops with the team, but a lot of it is around how we can talk about our message, how we can talk about community and positivity because people wearing our clothing is like a billboard for our message. And we want people to see the clothing and be like, oh, you know, that's that, that's that homey tea. And that's why it says that message and something that they're proud to wear and tell their friends about. So a lot of the times it's like, how can we convey subtly? Like, it's not like youth homelessness, is, you know, we're stopping youth homelessness or something like that. It's like subtle messaging around being kind or like one was finding space for those out of place and it was had a space graphic on it, you know, stuff like that where it's like a subtle message but can really get people thinking and, you know, sort of a conversation starter as well. Yeah, they're the things you want to wear as well. Like yeah. they're, they're things that look good yeah. and can, I guess, subtly put across a really important message. Is, oh, that's cool. That's, yeah. Is it a te- like a real team effort in terms of the actual design and getting something on a on a screen to then create? Is that a is that a very much a team thing or do you guys have a kind of more head designer situation? Yeah, no, it is a, a very much a team thing. There's probably, yeah, four or five of us in that sort of, area and then yeah we partner with different artists as well yeah because it's pretty important that we that we get it right because there's a lot riding on it like if we don't make profit there's no purpose so we have to put out stuff that people you know want to wear because if we're not making sales we're not funding our programs so there is a bit of pressure yeah you know to get it right and we yeah we do a lot of trend research and yeah so that is pretty key that we're making stuff that's cool because we need people to buy our stuff. Yeah. The, <laughs> if there's no problem, there's, you can't, there's no purpose. That does hurt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sentence hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's not just, you know, me that's relying on it. It's, you know, people going through the program. So I can imagine yeah. feeling the pinch about that. Yeah. 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 You do. But we're, we're lucky. We've been so well supported and people getting behind us. So really fortunate and grateful that everyone's got behind us as feel, much as they have yeah no for sure i feel like every time i go into the homie store there's something new like there's something i hadn't seen before and there's you know it feels constantly updated and kind of there's always something new to try on and yeah no i'm a, I'm a big brand advocate put it that way <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to knuckle down a little bit more on a reborn homie because that's a not only a seriously eye-catching line but something that's kind of additionally cool in its own extra way can you talk me through reborn homie yeah so that came about back in 2019 we just had some leftover clothing that was not allocated to our vip days we'd done those for the rest of the year and you know there was just some stuff left over and some faulties and returns and stuff like that and obviously not wanting to send anything to waste which we we never have have had that problem because we you know give all of our clothing away if if it's not sold so we had some stuff left over and just thought how can we repurpose this and and or upcycle it and get it back into the sort of life cycle and yeah so did a bit of a crash course on sewing with my mum down in Colac for (laughs) for a couple of hours and you know sort of started to puzzle some stuff back together and 
yeah, and people, I think, liked it because it was sort of one-off and unique and something mm. different. And that's sort of the way that sort of fashion is moving that, you know, no one wants to wear something that someone else has got and everyone wants that one-off item. So sort of played into that a little bit, but also, you know, the sustainability element and the circularity and, you know, keeping clothing out of landfill. We're fortunate we don't have any real waste but we've been able to partner with brands that have a lot of dead stock and mm. excess and and work through their garments and and help provide a circular sort of arm for their business as well so it's been yeah it's been awesome to partner with brands and and we've got a really creative design team that puzzle these garments together and yeah it, it has a lot of potential but it is like a time-consuming exercise no and doubt you know, every garment is one-off and unique. So, you know, you have to flat lay each product. And so it is a bit challenging, but sort of working through ways to scale that potentially with a with a local factory. So just in the process of working through that at the moment. Was that kind of, I love that you just went and spent a couple of hours with mum just to learn the learn the basics of the stitching and the sewing. I, I, I love that. We, we happen to share a, a studio and a workspace here with Arsport and into Carrie, who Luke, we've done a podcast with him before and he puts on little sewing and stitching, basically master classes, little, little beginners classes. So I love that. I love that that's definitely becoming a thing. And I think more and more people are learning that, you know, fixing the clothes you do have, or, you know, repurposing clothes for, to make unique new clothing items. That's definitely a realistic thing. And I think I'm probably next on the list for a class, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually partnered with Luke on a few bags. So absolutely love what he's doing with Intercarry and, and not only the bags, but the cafe as well. So it's it's been awesome to partner with a lot of local brands that are working in this space and everyone's been really supportive. So yeah, it's it's great. So when you're not sort of learning how to stitch and, and sewing and putting together reborn homey items, at least in the beginning, what does your day-to-day look like, Marcus? A lot of meetings <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Computer yeah, sending emails. Yeah. yeah, a bit of that. But also I sort of look after the content and my socials and stuff still. So yeah, whether that's taking photos of product or you know, we're working through our autumn winter for next year and we've got some collaborations, Reborn and, and Disney coming up. So yeah, there's always something on the go, which is which is awesome. So every day is completely different, which is what I love about it. Does it make it kind of hard to know what might be around the corner and what's next? Like what what's the next thing that, you know, we can look out for, I guess, with, with Homie? Yes, we're, we're in a bit of a changing phase at the moment. So Nick, who co-founded it with, he's actually stepping back to be a full-time dad. So he's got another one on the way and his partner, Danny, runs Merry People Boots, is a really successful business. So he's stepping away to be a dad for a while. So... We're looking for a new CEO if you're interested. (laughs) That's a big job title. Yeah. Yeah. So looking for a new CEO at the moment. Yeah. We've got some new board members in. So there's a bit of a refresh at the moment. We're just about to do a strategy day. So to see what the next five and 10 years might look like. So yeah, it's an exciting time and, and we've sort of at that eight year period, I think, yeah, it's the next sort of cycle is about to tick over and yeah, who knows where we'll be. It's pretty exciting. Mm. I guess sitting down and talking about the next five to 10 years, is I'd find that pretty daunting. Hard to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, just get through one day at a time at the moment. For us and, and for me, I've sort of 
just been running on the hamster wheel for the past eight years. Like we're still way under resourced and, uh, you know, sort of wearing a number of different hats, but I think that's everyone in small business that's trying to, you know, make it work. So everyone in our teams either been a model, a photographer, a stylist, a yeah. designer, have worked in the store, been, you know, been a manager, you know, so that's the beauty of small business and the beauty of our team as well. They're really passionate and, you know, jump into things with good initiative and, and, you know, really passionate about being involved and, and trying something new. So yeah, we've worn a lot of hats over the years. That is one of the beauties of small business. So you kind of, you get to have a little bit of a crack at everything. Yeah. And yeah. if you didn't go into the job with a degree, gee, you may as well have one when you come out, probably multiple. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of had to jump in the deep end a fair bit, but I feel like that's where you learn the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always think about that and I have sort of imposter syndrome about about that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, I feel like the experiences I've had have been, you know, absolutely amazing. And just working with such a passionate, committed team has been, has made the journey really special. I feel like imposter syndrome is definitely a, a running theme in the young people that are youngish people I know who run small businesses, myself included. I, it's a constant battle. So people come up to you and often say, oh, so you, you, did, you did a degree in business? And I guess it was, nah, like I did none of that. Yeah. I completely, <laughs> completely, and I know Anthony's probably the same, completely level with you on that. Yeah. That imposter thing is a, a constant battleground. You're like, oh, no, I'm, but you should still listen to me. <laughs> That's, yeah. My brain's like, oh, I, I'm in this. I've sort of been thrust into this position and found myself in this kind of at the head of this thing that's bigger than I ever thought it would be. That's kind of how I feel on a day-to-day basis. It's like, wow, no, I'm a little one-shop, kind of one-factory setup. We make picture frames. But I can only imagine like partnering with Nike, partnering with Champion. That's a, that's what that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah, kind of been winging it the whole whole time. To it be might honest, be the best but... way to do it, mate. <laughs> yeah, just learning as we go and, yeah, just learned so much over the years. So, yeah, it's been the beauty of it i guess i reckon that's probably a good place to leave it marcus thanks um so much for joining us in the art conversation studio it's been a an enlightening chat and one i've really enjoyed thanks so much thanks so much kit stay up to date with everything our conversations via our social media platforms at our sport double underscore on the gram or via the website www.r-sportswear.com 